Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board gaming. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 68. My precious. Wow, that was a really bad subtitle. Somebody should complain, seriously. Welcome back. This is episode 68. It's great to be here. This is another RPG episode I've been looking forward to for a while, actually. Um, took me a while to get to it just because I was having trouble figuring out what game to play, and I finally settled on Star Wars. Maybe you figured that out, though, from the subtitle. Anyway, let's jump into the news. I don't have a lot. Uh, I've got four things. I think I've been doing a bad job of getting news lately. So let me see if I could up that some more, but I don't, we'll see. Um... First one is uh, Tiger Leader by Danvers and Games is on Kickstarter. Actually, it's almost over. There's only nine days left. This is another game in their leader series. In this one, you're are driving a... I'm not, honestly, I'm not really sure. It's a tank, a German tank. I guess it's a Panzer Tiger. Maybe that's the name. And it looks like an interesting game. I, I've tried one or two of the other... One other Panzer game. I'm sorry. I tried one other leader game. I think it was Phantom Leader, and I didn't enjoy it, and I think the setting was not for me. This one does seem more interesting. The basic pledge level is $72 to get one copy of the game, so it's a little bit pricey. That does include the free shipping and any promos that might be involved, of course. Uh, you could actually spend some more money and even get little miniatures for it, tiny little tank miniatures that, that you could use on the tiles instead of the counters. Um, they look neat, but they're tiny. Okay, so there, like I said, there's nine days for that. That game is definitely funded. It's already raised eight, almost $18,000. The second item, Victory Point Games has just released Dawn of the Zeds, second edition, expansion number one, the director's cuts. If I seem to remember, Herman Lemon mentioned it when we talked uh, about a year year or so ago. Um, not going to bring a lot of stuff. It's a rule sheet, 10 new counters, and 52 cards. It comes in a clamshell packaging, so you'll just stick these things in the in the game box. <laughs> okay, the the third item, Felberg Harriots, also known as FNH1 on BGG, has published a new game book. It is called Trader's Vengeance. It's his second game book. He's also got one called Dwarven Vengeance. I have not checked it out. It is available for sale on Lulu for about seven sixty four plus shipping. Here, let me read the uh, flavor text for this. After three generations of hard graft, the starship that your grandfather, your father, and yourself have all grafted for is in peril. If you don't make the next payments, you'll lose your livelihood, your home, your ship. There isn't anything that's going to stop you getting the money you need. With aliens, pirates, robots, criminals, the military, and even the police against you, the odds aren't in your favor. This is a time when the real interplanetary trader comes into his own. Warm up the engines, bring the guns online, snap up the cargo, it's time to make some cred. Trader's Vengeance is a game book where you play the hero and choose the path to take. You decide which enemies to fight and which shipments to make. A game book by Felberg Napoleon Harriot. So that's Trader's Vengeance, and also check out Dwarven Vengeance by FNH. And the fourth item of news, I had totally missed this, uh, and I think it's not even that new. Unfortunately, uh... A few weeks ago, there was an update for my phone. I decided to go ahead and apply it, and it crashed my phone um, to the point where I had to reinstall the operating system. It took me a whole day, and I lost everything I had on there, uh, including my RSS feed, which means I totally missed the news about pandemic, state of emergency, 
It's a new expansion for Pandemic. It's going to be out in 2015. This expansion has three different modules. The Hinterlands Challenge, the Emergency Events Challenge, and the Superbug Challenge. These are at least partially compatible with the other expansions. The In the Lab. and oh, What's the other one called? I always forget. On the Brink. Um, there are some duplicate components, specifically the purple cubes. And I thought I had read somewhere that it may not be compatible with some of uh, In the Lab, but I can't find it again, so I think I just misread that somewhere. Alright, so that's my three items of news. Let's jump forward to the interview, which I actually recorded weeks ago. Um, thinking I was going to have an RPG episode ready sooner, but that didn't work out. Um, so let's go to that. All right, I am talking to Kenny the Cabbage today. This um, I've done a few shows on solitaire role playing, and you know I've muddled through it a little bit. And Kenny has more experience than I, and I thought it'd be great to talk to somebody that actually knows what they might be doing. So, hello, Kenny. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Doing great. So, yeah. So, yeah, I want to talk to you about a uh, solo RPGs. You've played some before. Um, yeah, and you're working on a, your own system right now, I think. Um, it's a solo solo engine. A solo engine, okay. Which, which is a way of semi replacing part of your um, well, uh, game master duties. Okay, uh, but it's not a standalone game then. No, um, my one plugs into Fate. Okay. Fate core system, Fate accelerated. Um, so how long have you been gaming? Um, on and off for many many years. Not as many as lots of people, but since I was in school. Oh, okay. Secondary school, yeah. Okay, so you've played D&D and that sort of stuff, I imagine. No, um, i played D&D. I'm not too keen on D&D myself, personally. But um, I started off with Marvel, Marvel Superheroes. Mm-hmm. I went on to the Deep Centile System, dabbled a bit of D&D, but now I'm quite a lot like Fates. Uh, that's also like the idea of Savage Worlds as well. Okay. Um, do you only play RPGs? Do you play board games also? Um, I play board games. Uh, generally, more dice games, but with my wife. Um, I've I've got her into Carcassonne. She she really enjoys Carcassonne, and we recently backed um, a Kickstarter, which I'm looking forward to playing. Dragon Dice. Oh, okay. Which should be in the hands of American American backers by now. I didn't follow that one. Um, I've, I love Carcassonne. I, pl- I began with kids to play it, and they're really into it. There's a, a Carcassonne annotated rules that I found on BGG that's like 300 pages of rules, putting everything together. It's just it's awesome. So how much of your time do you spend playing solo games? Um, if I, Unfortunately, not as much as I'd like to do, and to be honest. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm really... Cats. Yeah, I've got dogs on my next uh, door, but well, they might make a present um, too. I've got a couple here. <laughs> no, my um, I've been working really hard on my new blog, and I had to sort of eat my eat my time off from what I want to do my side of role playing. But I will. I am aiming to do side of role playing. I love it. I really do. Do you also play with uh, friends too? Then, um, unfortunately, I say I, I work in the evenings, mm-hmm. and because of that, I. Don't have much time. I'm recording now. You gotta go find the nook or do something else. So, so yeah, you're saying you don't get to do much solo or group playing lately. 
Yeah, no, it's the problem is my, um, I work in the evenings, and what a few evenings I have not done, spending with your wife, so, which is important, especially if she's pregnant at the moment as well, so. That's exciting. Yes, very exciting, <laughs> and worrisome, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, so what is solo role-playing? How, how do you define it? How do you do solo role-playing, I guess? I mean, there's lots of different ways. I know there's, like, the game books, like Choose Your Own Adventure and Fighting Fantasy and that sort of stuff. And lots uh, of other ways. Yeah. Um, to me, I'll, Choose Your Own Adventures, I wouldn't quite classify as solo role-playing. It could do. I mean, so you can, can sort of do that. But to me, it's more like reading a book and choosing as you go along. Technically, you probably could call it solo role-playing. You make your own character and decide what to do, but you've got very defined choices. Um, to me, solo role-playing is a bit more open. There's a few more choices. You've got almost complete narrative control over what your character does. Um, of course, it has to be done by yourself as well. So that's the other thing. And also, I think it's important is the uh, telling a story. Telling story, I think, is really important mm-hmm. because that's what I find really drags me into the role, side of role playing is just being dragged into by the story and discovering what's going to happen. As if you read a book, first time you read it, it's like, wow, what's going to happen? That's what, to me, really drives me forward for my side of role playing. Okay, so then you're probably not so much into like the Tunnels and Trolls types of solo RP adventures also, where they're, they're sort of like beefed up choose your own adventure, where you got you got choices and you travel, but it's still limited choices. You don't have a lot of freedom. I've, I've heard about it. Um, I was actually pointed out when my uh, friendly game stores actually pointed out to me once, but when I went back to buy it, they sold it, so... I've never actually managed to play Tunnels and Trials as much as I'd love to say yes, I've done all that kind of stuff. It's like I would like to have done, but I never do get around to doing I know there's a, a free edition of that you could download. It's a real simple rules to start and one adventure you could do yourself. When they had the, the kickstart... Hey guys, can you go somewhere else if you're going to make that much noise? Uh... Last year, I think it was the they did a Kickstarter for Tunnels and Trolls for a new edition, and you could download the free print and play version. I think I got it from Solo RPG, and I tried it. And it is very much more like I guess the the fighting fantasy books, where you have yeah. a character and you're making choices and rolling dice to fight and all that, but still very linear and limited in direction. Okay, I'll, I'll certainly keep an eye open for that. So I've had too many irons in the fight at the moment. And... <laughs> So I've got, I've got to put the nursery out as well at the moment, so... Um, so, okay, talking about uh, RPGs, what if somebody wants to start solo RPG, what do, you, what do you think is the best way to get into it? Best way is basically get the favourite role-playing system. Um, probably get Mythic, Mythic Game Master Emulator. It's probably the best side of engine out there on the market, I, I would say. And just play their system using the Mythic Game Master engine or GME as a um, just a way of uh, control, taking some of the control of the Game Master away. Just it takes a bit of a slight shift in mind away from being a social role playing to solo role playing. Um, 
some people really enjoy writing it all down. Other people don't write so much down, just write brief notes as they go along. Are there any RPGs you think you should avoid? You said pick uh, your favourite system, but... So I would certainly say avoid ones which you need teams to play. So basically, I would say one of the best things would be to have a solo hero to start off with. Um, games which, like Pathfinder or D&D, when you need three or four players really to have a nice rounded thing. They generally aren't all that good because you've got to have lots of characters. You've got to keep them all in your mind. You've got to think about all different walls and stuff for each of the characters. And I think sometimes that just gets a bit confusing. Just stick with a, sim- a single character and, a- and then just use that one. I'm not saying it can't be done in something like D&D. I've seen lots of people do group games, uh, D&D based and stuff, which works out quite well for them. Okay. Yeah, D&D is, I guess it is harder with one character. I know when I used to play D&D with my friend, for a while, me and one friend were playing together a lot and we would take turns DMing for each other, but we would always take in, we each had a character and we'd each take both characters every time. And yeah, it is kind of hard to do solo unless you do a very specific type of adventure and tailor it to that character. Yeah, I think that's all, you, that's all you have to do is whatever game you're playing, tailor the adventure and story to the character you're doing. Otherwise, it's just not going to be really much fun. Your character can't get the chance to show off. So for the for the new uh, RPG, what uh, other resources are there for them? You've mentioned using the GM emulator, which I guess is pretty pretty critical right now. You don't yeah. Have, you, that's yeah, like you said, it's the most the best tool there is right there. Yeah. Uh, other other tools to use. Random generators are generally quite good tools to use. There's lots of them out there, and they just help kickstart your mind and help give you some sort of boost and ideas which wouldn't probably come to you naturally. And so that's quite important. Because if you're just doing it all by yourself, then yes, you might tell a story, but it'll be just something which has been overpaid in your mind. If you use a, a, um, a random generator, it'll give you new ideas into your head, which probably you wouldn't have thought about in the past, which will just give spark new interest. Uh, some of the best ones I find at the moment, actually, are... Um, Mobius Adventures ones, the little space and the instant NPC products. Because they're, they're, they're quite open-ended random generators. They're not roll the dice and then flip down the list and that tells you what you to do. They actually give keywords and you have to use those keywords so they spark a lot more in your mind of what you have to do. Okay, what was it called again? What's that product? Um, Mobius Adventures Okay. Uh, by Brian Fitz and blue other. I've done an interview. I've done an interview with him, and he's quite a nice guy. But uh, let me just see if I can find. Okay, I'll check that out. Instant, instant NPCs is, and little spaces are the other ones. Okay, cool. I'll include links for those. Um, I was using recently. I was trying to use the the covetous poet adventure creator. Yeah. Um, and it has a bunch of charts in it. And I went through and I wrote up a, uh, an adventure idea, which I was having trouble figuring out how that system's supposed to work. I'm still trying to learn it. But the, um, the first adventure I made, it, it, it just didn't work yeah. out for me. I couldn't 
it didn't make sense to me. I wasn't inspired by that at all. Yeah, I, if I'm I'm looking at doing that system for my next set of playing experience experiment is using but instead of doing as I say roll the charts up and scenes up in advance roll them up as you come come across them but using mythic gme as the solo engine and using that as what they call a driver okay. a driver is a way of framing the story arc framing the story so it's, it, it helps give shape to your story as a solo engine helps give the GM decisions inside. Okay. Yeah. Without the driver, you're basically just going from like one random scene to another random scene and, and there's or, no cohesiveness. There could be cohesiveness. You can make it yourself. But what the driver does, it helps frame it a bit more and helps guide you in a certain direction. Um, because anyone who's studied screenwriting or no, the structure of novels, they'll probably tell you that there's three or four different acts in a, in a story or novel. You had the introduction, the beginning part, and you had the climax at the end. And you had the middle, in the, in the middle, of course. <laughs> and basically, the drivers, what they do, they help guide you through that arc of stories from beginning introduction to your characters all the way through the middle combat between everybody else and to the climax where they finally hit the massive big problem and then overcome it I know it's not very good to talk about but romance is a very good one to do that you introduce the uh, in the beginning you introduce both characters the hero and heroine and anyone who's to take them part in the middle two scenes on, on the middle you have them coming together conflict with each other bouncing off maybe getting together and then in the climax the end they basically fall apart there's that moment where everything seems to get so right and then it falls apart you can see it coming if you watch romantic comedies mm-hmm. you know, and then you just know what's going to happen they're going to get back together again for the end of the film and that's you can sort of tell quite easily that's what's going to happen and that's sort of, you know it's going to happen and that's the story arc of a, every single good story novel or sh- hello Hey there. Okay. All right. So my internet cut out on me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you lost your connection at home. Yeah, that's my connection. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna try without the video to see. <laughs> the The sound was starting to get a little bit choppy towards the end, anyway. Uh, yeah. No. What happened is I think occasionally my network has been paying up recently, so it just drops me off all of a sudden. Oh. And puts me back on again. We're well, We're talking about the stories and yeah. coming up with stories. When When did I cut out? We are talking about the story structures for romantic comedies, and I think I got a lot of that. Okay. So, so we were talking about different online resources before. Yeah. And, or, or different different resources to play in general, and you yeah. were mentioning uh, random tables and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, little spaces and instant NPCs. Um, so there's a couple other tools. Um, UNE seems to be another popular tool, which is go around the side of role play market at the moment. Um, I haven't had much luck with it, but I probably haven't really used it as well as it could be or should be used. And I'm going to give that another try at the moment. But typically, any random generators you have in any books you have or you can buy or find online, 
can be useful and can can be helpful for your game. Um, it just random generators just help spin your mind in different directions that you didn't think you were going to go. In. So it could help. That's right. So really, the the point is anything that'll that'll get you inspired and, and get your mind thinking of some some new ideas. Dif- different ideas that you probably wouldn't have thought of before is would it just help you kick you out of your say funk out of your same old ways of thinking would yep. be helpful okay yeah, um, you... let's just do a mm-hmm. go on let me just give an example um, I'm just opening up um, Little Spaces Spaceship by that Mobius Adventures and just to run you through some kind of moments okay so let's get my dice out here <laughs> okay so the ship which I'm going to write, I'm going to do about is going to be a large ship okay and the state of the ship is going to be uh, exploded hmm. um, now the population of the ship is going to be a total of two people. So there's two life forms of two people in the ship still alive. So it's a huge ship, but there's only going to be two people in the whole ship. And probably there was an explosion. Like, there was an explosion on there. It's probably be a bit like um, the ship from Alien, where you had a massive big ship with just small crew quarters at the very front. And both those people would have died in the explosion. Um, the mission of the ship was a discovery, so probably mixed between that and the Enterprise. And the destination where they were heading to was somewhere else in the universe. Um, so just from that, you automatically got an idea of a different type of ship than if I was just come up with a ship myself. So you've had this really large ship which had a crew of two on there which has been destroyed, exploded from within. Both crew members are dead. And there's an exploration ship discovering somewhere else later on in the universe. Um, (laughs) So automatically, this gives you... So your ship, you're in, comes across it, and automatically you've got a different type of story than just coming across a boring, normal discovery ship. Why does... Why did this ship get destroyed? How come such a massive ship only need two crew members? What what was it searching for? How did was it destroyed? You got all these different stories and um, ideas coming into your heads. So was it destroyed? Did they destroy itself because they found something they sh- no one should be able to discover? Um, did they bring something aboard which was a booby trap time device which went bang and killed them? Um, so did they go mad mm-hmm. and someone else came aboard noticed they went mad and found themselves going mad and destroyed themselves just to save other people so there's a lot of stuff happening in that which will just help you change your mind which you wouldn't really think about in roots before than if you just went oh I'm just going to find a spaceship yeah, and I like it. even though it gave you very specific details, like the the ship is large and there's two crew yeah. and it exploded, it, it's still open enough that I mean, 
what I got out of it was different than what you described. Yeah, I think that's, that's what I like about his his products. It's not like roll a deep percentile and down and this is just a, a specific answer. He's that's what I like about his products, and that's why I'm quite you know, happy to promote him again because that's what I like out out of the product. Mhm. Okay, so so if I'm gonna start playing solo RPGs, I've picked out my favorite RPG system or, or something I I think I yeah. like. I've got the GM emulator and some random charts, and sounds like I'm ready to go. Uh, yep, yeah, it is. I mean, you don't need a driver, but some people really do like drivers and find they really aid to their experience. Um, yeah, just ready to go. Just one thing I would say is just some storytelling techniques. Um, the best and the easiest and best way to do it, start off with, is having the character to have a a goal. What does a character really want more than anything else in the universe? Um, then linked to that, what stops the character from getting that goal? Um, also, how far would the character go to get his goals? Um, in a thing in the past, uh, one of my old int- posts, I said to um, a, a man trying to save his daughter's life, now, how far would they go and how would they go about it? So a um, mystic might commune with the, with spirits and save her life that way, mm-hmm. sacrificing his own soul in return. Um, a really wealthy person might then use all his money and devices to fund lots of research to save this, this, his daughter. Um, Another another character who might be very intelligent might put himself in medical school, focusing on on that on his daughter's condition to discover a way to a way to solve it to heal her. So having a goal and knowing how far your character go is helpful. And then you put reasons why they can't solve the problem straight away and put them on and just make a list of them. And throughout your adventure, just drop them in occasionally to make it really stack yours against them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it, it sounds. I mean, it doesn't sound very complicated when you describe it. I know when I first started trying it, it was very intimidating. I had no idea where to go. And yeah. I guess that's part of that's because you're playing RPG and I mean, they're designed to be open in, and that's part of their charm. Yeah. And I usually think many the first, of the. Mm-hmm. Sorry, carry on. So usually the first time you're going to play you're playing with somebody that's already played at least once or twice and kind of has an idea what to do. Yeah. But here you're on your own. Yeah. I've spent probably as much time learning about fiction writing as I have role playing on, you mean on and off both, both sides, because when I couldn't role play, the only other way I could find out, think about creating was to do writing, writing stories and stuff like that. So I spent a lot of time focused and learning how to write stories. And now I go back to role-playing again. And all the skills I've learned, all the knowledge I've learned, just seems to now fall into place. And that's why I'm such a really thing about really um, love stories and emphatic about stories. And you need stories instead of role-playing because that is what frames your experience. So as you said, instead of being an open-ended sandbox type of thing, this that can be work and that can be fun and some people can and I have seen it work 
But if you focus it into a story as a small short arc, and when you complete that, do another short arc, and complete that, do another short arc. Think of think of, of about um, Wheel of Time, how it's one big story arc over the long term, but in that you've got lots of sto- short stories just to expand the world and show that how Rand and his friends go from being sheep farmers to being the most powerful people in the in existence effectively so i i do agree i think a, a lot of the fun of playing an rpg especially when you're doing solo is the story that you get out of it um and, yeah, I, and I think for, for and I solo think board gaming fun. it's the same sort of thing yeah. people seem to a lot of people enjoy the game for the narrative they get out of the board game okay and so, so games that tell interesting stories, whether it's just a a single fight or whatever, it's satisfying. Like a game like, say, Agricola, that's about farming. Yeah. It, it may tell a story in a narrative, but when you're playing that, yeah. it's more about the game and the mechanics and all that than the story you get out of yeah. it. Then the game like, I know, Gears of War, I haven't played it, but that one's popular. And I yeah. think that one's about having skirmishes and stuff and people get a story out of that okay um, um, mm-hmm. yeah have you seen hostage negotiator oh you did that's right yes I yes from. big fan yeah. of that one i got to play test yeah. that, and that and that was great that really was a fun game and yeah, that does that, have a great narrative yeah that's what i was thinking i was, I was thinking when I, that came out that i'll make a good role-playing game yes you're a bit limited to what you're doing so maybe in that sense i'm being a bit biased but because it's seemed very story driven as well you could sort of carry on to be a nice story. And I'm thinking, I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's interesting. I didn't thought of it that way. But I guess you could, for example, before you start playing, come up with a, what your what your your character is like and set up some goals and limitations for him and then play within those bounds. That would be interesting. And I think some yeah. of the scenario packs that bring different hostage negotiators might do that sort of thing. Yeah, but even if you just use the characters they give you as a... Hoshi's negotiators and if you just read their blurb it seems to be quite detailed and just play with that as a sort of character in your head mm-hmm. yeah you know there's a, another game I heard about recently um, a friend of mine was or not a friend but somebody was telling me at, I was at a game con and they're talking about an RPG called Dread that I'd never heard about before okay yeah. are you familiar with that one it, it, um, no it uses the, the, it's a horror RPG and it, the only mechanic for doing anything, it uses a, a Jenga set. You basically okay, build yeah. a Jenga tower, and every time you want to take an action, you move a piece up from the bottom to the top. And so as the game is uh, progressing, you know it's going to get more tense because as you do stuff, it's going to become harder and harder to do. Yeah. And, and that seems like a really, really cool mechanic, and seems like that should work solo really well too. It, yeah, it could seem to work really well, it's, unless you're really good at Jenga, then you know that. <laughs> you do really stupid things story. easy, to, you do lots of it, and then near the end when you can get, ooh. The problem, yeah. that's what I like about sometimes that dice and stuff, is that you know there's almost a same amount of chance of fading and succeeding, some, succeeding sometimes. But that Jenga, like, I know I'm going to be able to do the first half a dozen dozen moves, no problems. Yeah. You might be a bit wary near, later on. Yeah, and, and that's that's part of what I thought worked for it for a horror game. You know, yeah. you start, oh, everything's fine. You know, you've gone camping for the weekend with your friends, and no, do whatever, no big deal. 
move it. But then as this game starts getting more tense, you know, you don't want to start taking chances anymore and that sort of thing. So it seems like that should add a lot of yeah, actually, tension to the adventure. As you're saying that, yeah, that sounds really good, actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you're right, though, I hadn't thought about it, but it is unfair. If I'm really good at Jenga and somebody else isn't, then you know, they're the ones that's going to die every time. <laughs> yeah. Which that's is that's kind that. of fun, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You always know, there's always a person who survives the end of the horror film and a person who dies horribly early on. Yeah. And, and you know, it had interesting mechanics. So if the tower falls, that's not necessarily the end of the game, but something bad really something really bad happens. The, the person running the adventure builds it back up and then moves a few pieces up on the tower depending on how many towers it's already fallen. So every time it restarts okay. it's already a little bit tense. Okay, yeah. That that I think that makes it sound a lot more interesting and mm-hmm. yeah. I'll have to go and check that out though. Well, yeah, that, I mean that I was surprised I never heard of that and that just sounds great. And I wonder how many other things you could do that's similar, using a similar maybe just using Jenga towers or something else to, to build mounting tension. Yeah. Um, I know something like Mythic uses what they call the um, chaos factor or something like that, where as it goes up higher and higher, you're more likely to get a random event. The more likely to get a random event, you're more likely to get a bad random something happen to you. And that, mm-hmm. again, increases your tension in the game. Yeah, that makes sense. I, haven't, I don't remember using the chaos factor when I, when I used Mythic. It's been a while since I tried that, though. I think that really adds a lot to the to Mythic and uh, again one of the reasons why I think Mythic is the pre- premier solo engine out there so so getting getting back on track here um, yep. we're, we're jumping forward now you're talking about Mythic, it reminds me, you've been working on your own RPG solo system, are you working yep. on a, something a GM emulator? Um, so, a solo engine is a GM emulator Okay. it's um, when Mythic came out, they called it a Game Master emulator for whatever reason. I think mainly they called it because they wanted to play it in a group setting. Mm-hmm. And so in that case, calling it a Games Master emulator is a good thing. It also means that people outside the solo hobby field, they don't understand that almost instinctively that's what it means. But when you come into this, when you get to understand solo role-playing a bit more, you, you understand sometimes the limits limits of the term game master emulator mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of solo soloists solo role players understand then the term solo engine is probably better en- better term because it means that you're taking the emphasis away from game master and more into something which will aid you so it will help drive the story along hence engine mm-hmm. um that's why i call it a solo engine and it's yeah for fates um, while well, I was looking at Fate Solo, um, it's it's just that I'm struggling with certain parts of trying to convert Mythic over to to Fate because you've only got four dice, you've got plus zeros and minuses on them, and that's it. You don't have lots of different dice with lots of un- wonderful numbers on it. Because I wanted it to be integral or as close to the Fate system as possible. I'm sort of struggling how to get some of the features I like from Mythic over into my silo engine. I've got a nice chart worked out which gives you the degree of success or failure on a certain question. But other than that, I'm still brainstorming how I could get some of the really cool, neat features which set 
mythic apart into my the fate solo. Okay, and so so it'll be I guess it'd be hard then to use your system with something other than the than fate, since you're trying to integrate it directly into that. Um, yeah. Is fate? I know very little about it. It's an open-ended system, right? So you could play with any genre or that sort of thing. It's a universal system. Um, it, it doesn't have characters. It doesn't have classes. It doesn't have levels. It also has characters. It doesn't have classes. It doesn't have levels. It, yeah, it's very open-ended in that respect. And I think that's one of its strengths, but I think also it's one of its weaknesses because there's just so much you can do with fate. Just have to look out there at all different fate hacks, even all the small mini hacks which um, Evil Hat themselves produce. And there's just so many of them up there that it can be so confusing what what to do. Um, when I use fate, I use the very basic ideas, just the very boring standard ones. Oops, sorry about that. All right. And that's what I really like. It's just a nice, simple thing but i know other people who use fate for solo role playing and they use a lot more technical side of it they do go delve a lot more into the how fate actually works because that's what they're interested in and that's another good thing about solo role playing you can focus on what they want to play what you want to play and not be forced by other people so if you really enjoy learning about a a system and go nuts and bolts to really deep into it then yeah forget the story just go through an adventure making sure that you line up thing after thing after thing which will get you deeper into the into the system so if you want to know more about ambushes you set an ambush scene if you want to know more about combat set a combat scene if you want to know more about social issues set a social issues scene if you want to know more about pushing people off cliffs you set up a scene set on a cliff where you can push people off cliffs and you just you set up your game so that you go into each of the different rule sets as rule rules until you get really deep and know the system really deep and well I have the the Fate Accelerated book I think that's it's a little skinny one yeah and a friend of mine gave me that and I haven't looked at it yet will, will your solo system work with that also? um Actually, most uh, games I've been playing with Fate Solo have been Fate Accelerated. It's because it's all um, it's basically base Fate Accelerated is just a a, a a hack of Fate Core. If you listen to what the designers Fred Hicks and stuff talk about Fate, Fate Accelerated is just a, a hack of Fate Core, just done in different ways. And, but yeah, I've used my Fate Solo for Fate um, for Fate Accelerated quite a lot, and it works. Any idea when you might be done with it? I imagine right now your time is getting more and more limited every day. It is. I'm I'm, I'm focusing quite a lot on my say my new blog soloroleplayer.com because to me that's important. I, I want to get the word out about solo role playing, not just to a few small people who play solo games but to the whole community, because I'm sure there's lots of people out there who can't solo roleplay because they don't know about it. And they can't play in groups because, like me, they moved away to be with a, a significant other or they moved away to find a new job or their groups is disintegrated for whatever reason. 
So mm-hmm. I want them to know that they, they can still say the role play. So that's why I'm setting, I'm setting up my new blog. Um, and so as much as I like my fate solo and I want to carry on working on it, it's been put a bit on a back hold until I can get, you mean, I can get people really interested to solo role playing and everyone to know it's such a thing and enjoy it if they need to. Okay, so and sorry, you do have a blog now, you, or you just rebooted it, I guess. And... I'm rebooting it, yeah. Okay. Um, and you're going to be talking about solo RPG in there in general. I guess you've done a, a few reviews of different products at this point. What else yeah. are you planning to do with the blog? Um, it's basically, I'm just going to teach people about solo role-playing. I want them to understand that it is possible, and they can get a nice, deep, immersive story into it. I don't want them just to think... I'll be I'll wishy-washy. I'm not going to be able to be able to do what I can do with my normal friends around the table. Well, no, you can't in some sense, but in some sense, you can actually go a lot deeper than that. You can go really enjoy yourself. And I know I've, I've known people who both play in a group and play by themselves solo because they enjoy playing solo as well as the, the social aspect of um, social world of playing. Okay. So, uh, so you also have uh, the RPG Guild on BGG now. Yeah. And so there's another resource. And I saw that there is a, a Google group for solo role playing. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, so Lone Wolf, G plus by Lone Wolf, yeah. Okay. So there's quite a few different resources. I'll, I'll include links to all these things uh, for anybody that doesn't have them. Okay, so yeah, there's a lot of lot of different resources right now, and that's great that you you got the your blog going and everything, and hopefully it brings a lot of attention. Yeah, I think that's important because I mean, as much as say people listeners of your blog, uh, uh, blog not your blog, your um, web webcast. Yeah, the podcast. Uh, podcast, that's the one. Mm. Uh, even though listeners to your podcast are coming, but they're they're probably almost semi indoctrinating to anyway because because they're interested in solo playing anyway i want to get it out my my message out there amongst those who don't solo play because i think that's not everyone knows about it if you know i I didn't know there's such a thing as a solo board game until after i started doing solo role playing okay now i don't i don't know with the with the board games how I know a lot of people were interested because on BGG I would always see people posting questions in the forum saying, you know, I want to figure out how to play, what game to play solo and this is what I like. And you'd see posts like that every once in a while. And then I had the podcast started and then the guild got started. But the guild did not take off at all until the people started doing the um, – we started doing the monthly solitaire games on your table geek list. Yeah. Because then people would see the geek list and go check that out. And that I think that's what has really attracted the most attention so far. Yeah, and I think that's what you're doing. You're getting people more interested in knowing that you can play board games solo, and I think that's important that people understand. I mean, later on, I probably won't be able to play with my... I'm lucky I can play with my wife occasionally in the evenings, but mm-hmm. if I wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't be able to play my board games. I've been playing board games almost as long as I've been playing role-playing games. In mm-hmm. fact, role-playing games just got me into board games, but... Okay, it's usually the other way around. Well, I was introduced to role-playing at school, and then oh, okay. that introduced me into card games, which introduced me into board games. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I don't think I have anything else to ask you about or to bring up. Is there anything you'd want to mention? Uh, 
other than say being a good prom- promoter that I am, my blog, um, go over to soloroleplayer.com and sign up to the pre-launch lists. There's not much there at the moment, but you'll get you'll get content, new content about solo role playing. And when when I can finally launch my blog, it'll be there for everyone to see. And this is gonna be. You said I think you're gonna be posting every every couple of weeks or so. Every every two weeks to a month while I'm starting up um, exclusive content behind the scenes while I'm, get, say, while I'm setting it up. Once it's set up, um, I have to see, well, because I'm going to have my twins born next year, so wow. for a while it might be a bit slower. But after that, once they, I can get into a team working around them and my wife and obvious sleep issues... I'll hope you're able to post as often as I can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very cool. All right, then. Um, I will let you go. I know it's late for you over there. Um, I'm, I'm glad we finally got to talk. It's been hard yep. to, to get this working. I've I've had so much trouble getting the time zones figured out, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, it's not the worst thing, problem ever. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I will let you go. Thank you again for, for chatting with me. No problems though, Albert. Have a good evening. You too. Or days for you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Alright, bye-bye. Today's game I'm talking about is the Covetous Ports Adventure Creator and Solo GM Guidebook. This is a an RPG supplement. It is a RPG neutral, so it could be used with any system in theory. Um, and it is des- it's to design your own solitary adventure. Well, it's to design your own adventures. And also, and well, and it could also be used to play solo. It it was designed by Frankly, and it was published this year. Actually, it was uh, funded through Kickstarter, and I believe that that campaign was late last year. So anyway, this so anyway, what this is is a it's a book. It's a soft cover book, uh, large size, large format. I don't remember what that's they're called, but it's about eight by ten or so. It has close to 100 pages, somewhere between 90 and 100 pages. And I think that the main idea behind this book is that it'll help you create an adventure, a a large uh, story arc that you could play through. Not a single one night sitting, but a whole campaign. Um, And the way you do this is you roll up on the bunch of charts that it brings. and There's charts based on the theme you're playing. and, And then within each theme, there's a bunch of charts. So you roll up for the theme of your story. You will let me see what else. And you roll up a background for the story. And based on these things you roll, they're basically a lot of keywords you're rolling. You're gonna come up with your own story, and then roll up each the the story was divided into three chapters. You roll up each chapter, and then within each chapter, there's multiple scenes. the The idea I think behind this is that it helps you make a better story. I, I know I used to DM when I played D&D some years ago, and we had a lot of fun, and we used some printed adventures, and we'd come up with our own adventures, but there are a lot of just random single-shot stories here and there. Um, once or twice, by luck, I stumbled across a couple adventures that actually went over multiple sessions, but that really was just luck, and the players had fun with it, but I had no idea what I was doing. I I think what this book does is it's going to formalize that process and help you make a really good story that the players could go through and fill in a lot of the background. 
so in terms of creating the adventure, there's really two parts. There's the framework of the different scenes and creating the backgrounds and all that. And then there's all the charts to create all the random things that happen. You don't really have to use the charts. As a matter of fact, the book says, you know, take what you want from this. Use charts as you like. Roll up as much or as little as you want. The second part is a a guidebook, basically so, some guidance on how to play solo using this system. Um, there aren't any, there really aren't concrete hard and fast rules, or there are some charts to help you roll on when you need to make decisions. So now, if you're going to play solo, what you're going to do is you're going to start with your plot sheet. <clears throat> the book has a plot sheet in it with a bunch of blanks to fill it out. You're going to roll on the different charts and get an adventure type your opposition, your motivation, or maybe your opposition motivation. Honestly, I wasn't clear on that. The theme, a couple plot devices, a couple actions, plus things that are impacted by that action. You're going to roll up complications. If you're, and then, okay, the complications for the background. You're going to roll up some stuff to, to tell you what's happened already before your PCs got involved. There's complications, there's plot devices, again, there's actions and things, uh, and then there's locations. You're going to roll these up, and hopefully it's going to give you something that makes sense. If not, you're going to want to try again and, and roll their stuff. And the book suggests that you may have to roll five or six times and get a bunch of different plot sheets put together, and eventually you'll get one that clicks. I think that that depends on a few different factors. One is how much experience you have. The The more experienced you are coming up with adventures, or even just playing your, the RPG of choice, the uh, easier it's going to be come up with a story based on the things that are in there. Um, when I tried to play it first, I tried coming up with this theme that sounded really cool using superhero characters in a horror setting, and I kept rolling up stuff, and it just, I don't know, it just wasn't interesting to me, and it's just dull. And uh, I was going around in circles, getting nowhere, not really wanting to play, and that was part of why it took me so long to get this episode done, is I just kept stalling. And then finally said, you know, I need to just change my story. I'm just out not having fun with this. It, it feels like a chore. Um, so I went ahead and looked around for a different RPG, and I found Star Wars, and I said, oh, this sounds easy. It has pre-generated characters. I don't have to stress about making characters up. It has a very familiar setting, and I could be a smuggler or some sort of character like that. Um, and that sounds really cool. A space trader kind of look thing, um, much like Trader's Vengeance, for example, by FNH One. Um, anyway, the I did that, and as soon as I rolled up one, immediately it worked great. As a matter of fact, it, it almost felt like I was taking stuff straight out of the Star Wars movies. So, so this sheet, I think, you know, it's important. But they also tell you, don't worry about rolling everything. If there's some stuff and you really have an idea you want to go with, just go with that. Don't don't stress about making everything random. Um, it's here to help you make a story that you're going to enjoy playing. You're going to come up with different storylines that are going on. Um, you're going to write things out. Based on these, these different keywords you wrote up, you're going to come up with different notes and ideas and whatnot. If you're not playing solo and you're actually DMing for somebody else... You would then go out and fill each of the different scenes. Um, and again, there's more rolling involved in all that. And then you'd come up with your whole story ahead of time, all your acts and your scenes. If you're playing solo, the recommendation from the book and what I did is I wrote up each scene as I was ready to play it. And actually, I, I like that a lot because I had no idea what was going to happen in the story. I just had an, uh, an overall theme of what's going on in the world and 
where I'm going to be involved, but I had no idea how. Or not, I shouldn't say I, but my PCs. Um, and I would roll up one individual scene in the first act and play through that. And then I'd roll up the next scene. When I rolled each scene, how it played out depended a lot on what happened in the previous scenes. And, and what I decided to make the scene be was also dependent a lot upon the, the state of the previous scenes. So it was a very organic process and it all just flowed very smoothly. And I think it worked really well. The the rolling sometimes, and especially for the acts and the different, uh, they're called events, which I keep calling scenes, you roll up a few different things for that. You roll the event and the action that are going to happen, a thing, a plot, an opposition, and a location. You're told to use any parts of those you want. You don't have to use all of them. You probably won't use all of them. But the event and the action are important. And you go from there. I did find sometimes I didn't like something that came out. It just it felt dumb to me or just not interesting or or it didn't really fit my story as it was evolving. So I would just re-roll it or ignore it. A couple times I just filled stuff in from the book. I said, you know what? I'm just going to look in the book and find a, something that looks cool for this and use that. And that worked out really well. So then the rest, uh, once I had my scene set up for a play, then I went through and I just played my adventure through with my PCs. And I did that on the computer, writing down notes and when needed, rolling dice for the game to see what happened. A couple times I had to use the the random charts in the solo, in the solo GM guidebook. But that didn't come up that often. Um... Mostly I was rolling stuff in the game. So now let me give you an idea what these charts are like. Because I think that's probably the biggest question is here. How do they work? The I'm going to use the general charts. These are not for any specific setting. There's a, a scene chart. You roll. It's a d12 and you're going to get different results like something bad happened to a PC, or a, there's a new PC, or a PC run into trouble. So now that gives you a vague idea of what the, the scene is going to be like. You know what? I don't think I even use this chart. I think I'm... Oh, because I was using a sci-fi chart. Actually, let me jump back, and let's say I'm creating an adventure from scratch. We're about to start playing next week. And I don't have time to make my own adventure up, so I'm just going to roll stuff up. Mind you, this is actually a little bit time-consuming, so it's, it's not going to save me tons of time. Um, I need an adventure type, an opposition, and a motivation. I played a sci-fi game, so I'm going to jump straight to the sci-fi charts. The, okay, Adventure types. You roll d10, you could have a, a villainous group, a villainous organization that's up to no good, threatens innocent lives, or... A space mystery, a hard to explain spatial event threatens or puzzles the heroes in some way, or strange. Oh, that's not a big strange event. Uh, evil leader, some singularly dangerous and effective villain causes trouble. So you're gonna roll and you're gonna get one of those items, and that's your venture revolves around that. Then your opposition chart, and this is a D hundred, and you could have you could have things like I'm sorry, I'm looking at the book and turning to the mic, so my voice may be fading in and out. Let me try something different. Uh, opposition could be mercenaries, strange being, paranormal forces, evil cult, that sort of stuff. And it's, it's very simple words, and that could be interpreted. Many, any one of these can be interpreted many, many ways. The motivations, it could be altruism or power, 
pressured or land holdings, pride or power, responsibility or survival, financial security or revenge. So lots of motivations for why the adventurers are actually going to be involved in this. Uh, the theme, that's another chart we were on, divine right, history, hopelessness, media, role of government, lots of different themes to pick from. Um, as you can see, the very, very big variety. Complications could be safety is endangered or delay, uh, legal trouble, a crisis, old friends. Um, locations can be varied inside a contraption, inside a contraption, uh, poor district, a hill, badlands, a smuggling ship, and so on. Uh, actions could be obfuscate, observe, stow, imitate, develop. Um, again, so I think the general idea in all these charts, they're very, very vague. I do want to mention again the the action plus things how that works you'd run the action let's say we get harass and then we get a thing foreign relations so now those two go together it's harass foreign relations so maybe somebody's trying to harass a diplomat or maybe there's some foreign relations going on and one party's harassing the other that's what i think it could be you know it could be very vague you could interpret it many many ways as i said and that's the thing in this you're gonna and that's the thing in this game you're going to roll up stuff, and you're going to interpret it in a way that makes sense to you. And I think really that is where this book shines, and this system shines, is the the things are so vague, and you're going to interpret it in a way that makes sense to you naturally, that th this is just naturally going to uh, make a story that's compelling to you, because you're the one creating it for yourself. Occasionally, you're going to come across something that doesn't work for you, Either you're going to figure out how to make it work and just play through it, or you're going to say, you know what, there's no way. This is out of here. I'm going to roll again. I'm just going to ignore this entirely. When you're playing solo, there's also something... Actually, I didn't really use this. So I have to look it up. There are unexpected unexpected scene and mid-scene interruptions that you could use. Um, if you're sort of feeling stuck or just feel like trying, you can roll to see if there's a mid-scene interruption and then just use that. And the interruptions could be things like somebody got kidnapped or... For different things, and you just—it's gonna throw a quirk in your adventure. The other thing is an unexpected scene, which is they say maybe every few scenes use an unexpected scene. These are not the same as normal scenes, and you have a different chart you roll on it, and the results tend to be a little quirkier. I didn't use them, and I—I I was just because I never felt the need to, and I was having fun the way things were going. So there's two things that I found really surprising in this book that I really liked. Um, they weren't really well. One of them was the inst the book actually instructs you to be the GM first and the character second, and I hadn't come across that before. Every game I've played, I've always played as the characters from that frame of mind. Um, this was to me was a, a a big surprise and a big shift. I'm actually going to be the GM, and, you know, and why not? Why not take on that role instead of the characters? That you know, a G a GM is actually a really fun role. When I've GM'd in the past, I always had a great time making adventures and. Seeing what you know, putting the characters, the players through stuff, and seeing how they reacted. Um, you could still have a lot of that if you're playing as a solo GM. Um, this way, I was less tied to the PCs and less concerned about what happened to them, and I was more concerned about making a good, satisfying story. Um, 
And I really, really found it to be an interesting and very, very fruitful way to look at things. The other thing I was surprised by when I read it was it says to use your feelings as a guide. Um, I've never actually seen that in any sort of role-playing supplement saying, trust your feelings, you know. If you feel frustrated, something's not right. You, that's a sign that you need to stop and look at what's going on because you shouldn't be feeling frustrated. You should be having fun. Um, and that was a, a rule that, I, or not a rule, but a guideline I used when I was trying to roll up those horror adventures. I kept getting frustrated and not having fun. I said, wait a second, something's not right here. Let's change things up. Um, I really liked that the book actually told me to use my feelings. So a couple other things I noticed as I was playing through with this. One, um, it could be a little bit hard. Sometimes it could be a little bit hard to, to force the, the game to fit into the adventure. Um, excuse me. And I guess what I'm saying by this is you've got your settings, your characters, and maybe there's already some history because you've been playing for a little while, or maybe it's just brand new, and you roll up some sort of adventure. It could be hard to to put everything together to make it fit. And and I think that there's a leap from the those keywords to the actual story that initially is a challenge. Um, it may You may get lucky and it may be easy and you come up with a story right away, but even then when you're going from one act to, to the next or one scene to the next, you may roll up a scene that's you're like, well, it looks like a good idea, and I think I'm gonna use it, but I'm kind of not sure how it's gonna, how I'm gonna get my characters into that situation. Um, and I had a few instances of that, and I sort of just struggled with it. It was a challenge, but it was a fun challenge, and and I made an interesting scene from those things. So I think you're gonna come across some of that. Don't feel like you have to use something if you're really feeling frustrated like we said you know step back and see what's going on and maybe just throw that out and re-roll some charts and the other thing which i think i already mentioned is that the story it's virtually guaranteed to be compelling and this is because you're writing the story you're giving some keywords and you're putting it together so just naturally you're going to put it in a way that's interesting to you if you can't do that then this set of keywords is probably just not the right ones for you Throw some of them out or all of them out as you see fit and and try again. Either roll again or just pick the ones you really think you'd like to do. I think that those are the biggest things about this game. Uh, they really, the rules really emphasize, the rules really emphasize to use with, excuse me. The rules really emphasize that this is a tool for you to use to, to have fun and to make a, an adventure that's interesting to you. So it keeps saying, Use what you want, throw out whatever you don't want. If, if only one of these charts makes sense to you at all, don't ever even roll on the other ones. If you got a better idea for a chart, go for it and use that. Um, these are all just things in your toolkit to have a better adventure. So now this is available as a PDF or a physical book. I will include links on purchasing it. My physical copy, unfortunately, was not well glued and some of the pages started coming loose. But uh, that hasn't really been an issue. In some senses, that actually made it a little more handy for me. I thought about sleeving them all, but or putting them in page protectors. But unfortunately, they're not a standard size sheet. They're a little bit smaller than eight and a half by eleven. I kind of didn't like that, but that should be fine. For now, I just have them in their cover, and the ones that are me, the ones that are loose are just you know in their place. So the way I played this, I found that I was I wrote up my story. Uh, I will include that document uh, as an entry on the podcast uh, blog page so you could read through it if you want.
and I'll probably put it in BGG somewhere also. But so I wrote up my story, and then each night I was going to play, I sometimes I did over two nights. One night I'd roll up the scenes and just think about it overnight, and the next day I would play through one scene, and then go on the, and roll another one up after that and play it. The rolling up a scene part is really fast. It probably takes longer to figure out how to put it together. I mean, the rolling up, you're only rolling up on five or six charts, so that's easy. So I think, actually, once I got a rhythm going, I would play through an adventure that I had rolled up before, and then at the end of the evening, after I was done with that, roll up the next one, and then sit on it for a day. I was finding it taking me about one night to play through an adventure a few hours. A lot of that was just lack of experience with the RPG system. So I would also like to talk a little bit about the RPG system I use. This is Star Wars Edge of the Empire beginner's game. It is published by Fantasy Flight Games. They've recently got, well, they've got a license for a lot of Star Wars stuff, and you've probably seen a lot of this. They have started doing RPGs, and right now they have two of them out. One is called Edge of the Empire, and the other one's called Age of Rebellion. And then there's a third one that's in beta that I've seen at the store, actually, that is um, Think Force and Destiny. And basically, each one looks at a different aspect of the Star Wars uh, of the Star Wars movies, I think, in a way. The Edge of the Empire one is a lot about the Han Solo and the way he goes around smuggling and being a free trader and doing that sort of thing. has very little direct interaction with the Empire. The second RPG is called Age of Rebellion, as I said. In that one, you're actually directly fighting as the rebels against the Imperial Empire. So this is more like a Princess Leah kind of role, where she was an active member of that rebellion. The third system, the one that's still in beta, is about Jedis. And I guess in this one you play as a Jedi, and this is probably more like a Luke Skywalker. I don't know much about that one. I don't know much about the Age of Rebellion. Those didn't seem as interesting to me. I also use the Beginner's Game, and I like that because it's very small rules. It brings characters already, pre-generated characters. And honestly, because of the podcast, I didn't have a lot of time to to spend making up my own characters and all that. I like making characters, but it was really handy to just use these. So I like the system pretty well. It, I I am not sure how well it would work long-term or not for me. Things I did like, one that, as I said, it was pre-generated characters. The beginner's game brings an adventure that actually teaches you the rules as it goes along. It's a very st- streamlined, linear adventure. And in the first scene, you, you have a couple rows and you interact with an NPC. In another scene, you have some combat. Actually, in the first scene, you have combat, and it's very simplified combat. In another scene, you then get to do interact and use skill checks. In another scene, then you do some more combat again, and stuff like that. There's one scene in space. So each scene, it introduces you into a, a new me- mechanism of the game. So that made it, that was interesting. And I had fun playing through that solo, that adventure solo. The I really like the, that it's a Star Wars setting just because it is so familiar. I'm really not that big a Star Wars fan. I like it fine. Um, I'm not even sure I've seen all the movies. I don't think I saw the last one that came out. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen the last one that came out. I don't think I saw the one before that. A couple of things I didn't enjoy about the game so much. It uses custom dice, which is fine and all, but it's a little weird because you, you get D6s, D8s, and D10s and D12s, if I remember right. Um, and they have symbols on them, and you roll it, and you're trying to find the right number of successes. you got to get more successes than failures. And the symbols are just not all that intuitive. I guess they come from the Star Wars universe. I don't know if they, they already existed, or they designed them stylized, like the sort of thing you see in Star Wars. 
But I found that after I roll, I always have to try and figure out, okay, which, what does this symbol mean again? Is this a success or is this something else or what? So it slowed things down a little bit. Other than that, they were easy to use. Um, you roll a bunch of dice each time. Uh, it has to do with how skilled you are. You basically, if your skill level is four, you're going to roll four dice. If you have a secondary ability that could work with that, then you might be able to upgrade those dice from D8s to D10s. No, to D12s. I found that the game did not really bring enough dice in that sometimes I'd have to roll four D8s and it only had two or three. So I had to do extra rolling and then remember how many successes I had and how many of the other symbols. So that was a little frustrating. So I actually ended up buying an extra pack of dice, which is probably overkill, but I did. The other thing... The other thing I really didn't like very much is space combat. It was it was a lot of dice rolling and a lot of missing each other. So it's just rolling, nothing happens, rolling, nothing happens. Some of that, I think, was because the beginner scenario keeps it simplified, so I didn't use all the abilities. And some of it, I think, was because I had misinterpreted some of the rules. But I didn't find the space combat that satisfying. And it's also, it seemed a little very uh, black and white in that you're either going to get shot out and your ship stalls and now you're stuck in space or are you going to succeed and it's just very there's not a lot of wiggle room in there I guess you could try and escape instead but and I never did do that maybe that's a good option sometimes just jump into hyperspace and go away from where you're at which would add a lot of complications but again it seemed like the the result of space combat is very extreme every time either you win and it goes great or or it doesn't go great and you can have some serious complications couldn't you just handle that with a single diro? I guess that's my point. Um, other issues with the, especially with the beginner's game, is I didn't have a lot of material to work with. Um, the the book, and actually, in the the information is scattered across books. For example, if I need information for a Tie Fighter, I have to go into the adventure book. It's not in the rule book. And there's also information for the um, your ship, which is a, I forget what it's called. The same type as the Millennium Falcon or at least a similar type. And there's a couple other ships in the book, but if, if you want something different, it's not going to be in there. You're going to have to look in the other books for the main RPG. And I started looking through those, and even then, it's pretty scattered. Um, for example, the the main book might have, say, eight or ten ships, and then each source book after that has a couple more ships. It, they're just all scattered throughout, which is kind of annoying. And even across the multiple RPGs, so... Let's say I'm playing Edge of Empire. I might need information from the Age of Rebellion books. So, <clears throat> I mean, I could see why somebody would do that. You make more money. But from the the buyer and the gamer's point of view, that's pretty annoying. One thing I do like that they have done right is that they have uh, these three decks called, uh, I think they're character decks, and they're NPCs, NPC decks. There's a uh, Scum and Villainy, which has the kind of characters you might find if you go to Tatooine. Like a smuggler, a bounty hunter, uh, a hut, that sort of thing. Um, there's one that's just kind of generic NPCs. It could be diplomats, a dancer, a bartender, whatever. And then there's another one that's um, more military characters, like um, imperial soldiers, stormtroopers, and that sort of thing, and rebels also. And these were handy. I got some of these, and actually, like when I was having an adventure and I needed to meet a character. I just shuffled the deck and rolled out and put out a random character and see what that was. And that actually 
impacted how my story evolved a lot. So that was a pretty neat way to to play solo using these these uh, decks and shuffling them up. And I liked that all the information's in that one card. I didn't have to go flipping through books. Each deck is about seven dollars, and I think has something like twenty characters. So it's not too bad a price. I think you know if you triple it and you're paying about twenty dollars for a book which is actually relatively cheap, and you're getting then 60 characters. Six, that's like a, you know, monster manual with 60 monsters for 20 bucks. It's not bad. It's I think it's reasonable. So yeah, Star Wars RPG, I think it worked well. I think it's a fun RPG. It does have some drawbacks, but um, I was able to work through them. The real big benefit is that it's a, it's a very familiar universe, and there's tons of information on it on the internet if you want to, to get more ideas and suggestions and things like that. But remember, the main thing about this show is the Covetous Poet Adventure Creator and Solo GM Guidebook. And I think that's a good choice for Solo G. I mean, simpler than Mythic. I think of all the, the three systems I've talked about now in the past. The Mythic, just using Rory Story Cubes to roll up a random adventure. And then this one. This one is definitely the most structured of the three. So, so if you're looking for structure, this would be a good choice. Well, that's the end of today's episode. If you'd like to contact me, you can find me as Fractaloon on BoardGameGeek, or you can email me at OnePlayerAlbert at gmail.com. You can also post comments on the Podcast Geek list on BoardGameGeek, or come visit the One Player Guild on BoardGameGeek for comments and discussion and whatnot. The intro music is copyright Angus and is protected under a Creative Commons license and can be found at gemendo.com. The show is published under Creative Commons, non-commercial, share-alike license. Thanks for listening.